Last week, we began our series on the choice. And we looked at the fact that way back when the first human beings even rejected and disobeyed God, that he chose to set a plan in motion that would repair the broken relationship. We agreed that at that moment, when people turned away from him, God could have just killed off everything. He could have said, that's it, I'm done. He could have stopped taking care of everything and everyone. Instead, he announced the plan to rescue people through Jesus and the cross. That was the choice all the way back in Genesis 3. Do you realize that God chose each of us? God made the hardest choice of giving of his son, Jesus, for you and for me. We sometimes are have a hard time when we are choosing teams. As I grew up in school, I can remember middle school was my hardest, probably the hardest years. And that tends to be hardest years for a lot of people. But one of the reasons for me in middle school, when I came to gym class, I was an athlete. However, most of the people didn't think I was. And so when it came to picking teams, I was usually the last one standing on the line waiting to be picked. And that always was hard because it was like no one wanted me. Several of you, maybe, maybe you can relate to that. You felt nobody wanted you. But you know what? God wants you. God chose you. He picked you out of the line. He picked you because he wants you. He wants you because you have things and you have abilities and you have talents and gifts that only you have. I don't have And the person next to you or in front of you or behind you doesn't have. You have them. God wants you. He chose you for a reason. There are several other places in the Bible where before it ever happened, God chose the way of the cross. Today we're going to look at such a place in Exodus 3. So if you want to go with me to Exodus 3, we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was not on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, 
the Perizzites, the Hezites, and the Jebusites. Now, Moses was an intelligent man. God made the choice to speak to Moses in this way that would grab his attention. The sight of this bush inflamed but not consumed greatly intrigued Moses. He had to take a closer look. He had to get closer to it. Imagine his shock when he approached the flames and he heard the voice of God. And I tell you that I have read a few possible meanings for God appearing to Moses as he did. And as I think about that moment, my mind goes to the fact that the Bible was referring to God as the all-consuming fire. I hope I can do a good enough job to explain this to you today. But in, in Exodus 3, 5, I don't know if you realize this is the first time that God is really referenced as holy. God chose to reveal his holiness like never before through the burning bush. With a perfectly holy God, sin will be dealt with. It will not stand unaddressed. The justice and holiness of God will cause him to deal with all sin because he is the consuming fire. Sinfulness will ultimately be destroyed. That is why God's choice offers a radical action to address the sin in this world, and it's so astounding to me. When humanity made their choice to rebel against God and his commands, it was a it was an enormous thing. Sorry, it was something that deserved utter destruction. God will one day consume every fragment of sin. The Bible tells us that one day the heavens and the earth will melt with the all-consuming fervent heat of judgment. The choice offers an escape from the consuming fire. As I think about the imagery of the bush in the fire but not consumed, one of the things I think about is the mercy of God on display. And it takes me to one of, one of my favorite scriptures in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Aren't you glad that we are not consumed? Because we trust in Christ. We've made the choice. He made the choice to send Jesus for us, but we had to make the choice to accept it. We are not consumed because God chose to not destroy us. Instead, he chose the cross. We, you and I, are people of the cross. So let's look at the interaction between God and Moses. But let me give you a little bit of background first. The Israelites were living in a land of Egypt as slaves. They were being treated brutally by the Egyptians. They were worked literally to death. And they prayed to God to help. They prayed to God to help it all in the end. And in God's response, we see the choice. God chose to tell them, I am. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am the God you have heard about. 
I am the God who chose present, whose presence makes an ordinary place holy. God's presence makes any ordinary place a holy place. I am the God who has worshipped, was worshipped by your ancestors. That statement established for Moses that he was not in a conversation with just anybody. God was talking to Moses, directly to Moses. And Moses' response, he hid his face. The flame that intrigued him now was something he tried not to even look at. God spoke and it changed Moses' perceptions. It, the humbleness, the humble fear gripped Moses' heart. How would you feel if your name was called by God? This was a private moment between God and Moses. During your private time with God, how do you feel when God calls your name? Do you listen for God's voice or do you just talk to God? Part of talking is listening. I think too many times we tend to just talk and we forget to listen. We need to do more listening for God's voice and stop talking so much. When he speaks to you, does your perception change like Moses's did? The fire is an image of God's holiness and how he purifies and refines each of us. This also shows the distance between God in his deity, deity and his humanity. In his humanity, the bush would have been gone. It would have came to ashes. But his holiness, his deity, the consuming fire that he is, did not consume the bush. In Hosea 11, verse 9, it says, I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. God again reached out to them and said, I have seen The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Once again, I remind you that God could have just walked away from humanity when he when they rebelled and rejected him. He could have not paid any attention to us, but he had already chosen the cross. So he was watching. He saw what was happening. He saw the misery It's so very hard for a person in misery to remember that God sees them. People in misery feel alone. They feel ignored, forgotten, invisible. People in misery feel like it's not going to ever end. Please hear me when I tell you God sees your misery. He sees it because he chooses to look. In fact, he doesn't blink or he doesn't sleep. He sees it all. You are not alone and you are not invisible. It has often occurred to me that God chooses to see it all. Part of what he sees is the the misery of this world. I often wonder how God endures it. I think if any of us saw everything that happened in this world for one day, it would be way too hard for us to watch. I think we would turn our faces away, but not God. He never looks away. He chooses to see it, to see it all. Sin in all humanity needed a remedy, and that remedy was and still is today Jesus. 
Jesus was made to be sin on the cross. This was God making the choice. God reminded them that he is seen. And now he says to them, I have heard. I have heard him crying out because of their slave drivers. Again, God chooses here to hear us when we cry out to him. He doesn't ignore people crying out to him. Now I know what the Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So I do know that there is a right approach to crying out to God. Any person who humbly and respectfully cries out to God, confessing their sins, will be heard. God chose to hear Moses, and he chose to hear the Israelites, and God chooses to hear us when we cry out to him. May I tell you, he does it because he loves you so much. That's how much God loves you. He chooses to hear your heart's cry. He chooses it. He doesn't owe it to us at all. He chose to hear us, and he cho- the choice is linked to the choice that he had on the cross. God chose to be with us in the dark times so that we will not be consumed. Exodus 3, verse 14 says, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. God is the I am. God was self-existent. He had no beginning. He had no end. He has no bound of time. He does not stop listening. Don't stop crying out to him. Do not give up praying to him. Do not let your heart ever tell you that God does not want to hear you. God wants to hear from you, from each of you. So God saw them, and he sees us. God heard them, and he hears us. Now God says to them, I am concerned. I am concerned about their suffering. And here it is, the basis of his choosing the cross. He is concerned. We should be excited that he was concerned and he is concerned for us because praise God, he is concerned because if he wasn't concerned, he would have never went to the cross. The choice would never have been made if he wasn't concerned. His heart cares about what he sees and what he hears. He is driven by his concern for you and for me. The cross is a bold reminder for us that God is concerned. Friends, the Lord is gracious and he is righteous. Our God is full of compassion. That's what Psalms 116 verse 5 says. He is gracious and righteous. He is full of compassion. Not just a little bit. He's full of compassion for you. Remember, God does not need anything from us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything from us. But he wants us to love him to choose to follow him, and to do what he asks of us. There is nothing he would need that all of the humans put together could ever fulfill. He doesn't have to concern himself with us, but he chooses to. We don't deserve for the Lord to be concerned about us. We don't deserve it, but he is. He's concerned about you, every one of us. 
He chose to be concerned about us. The cross boldly proclaims that God is concerned. So God saw, he heard, and he showed concern. He finally says to them, I made the choice. I have come. So I have come down to rescue them. God is our savior. He is our rescuer. I see Jesus here fully. Emmanuel, God with us. God didn't sit there in disgust because of our sin. He did something about it. He chose to act. He chose to rescue you. He chose to deal with the enslaving sin that binds people. This was God's choice. A thorn bush to burn and not consume. Here is a burning bush. The consuming fire did not consume. Instead, he chose to help us. He chose to come to us, to rescue us. The plan was set in motion way back in the first moments after the first people sinned. We see the choice being reinforced through how God responded to the Israelites. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how do we become holy ourselves? We do so through Christ, through Jesus, when we believe in him. God accepts us as holy. In fact, as holy as Jesus is. Praise God that he did not consume us when we were in sin. He could have. He saw us. He saw you. He heard you. He heard me. He showed you his concern. He showed me his concern. But even better, he came to seek us and to save us. But even more amazing, God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within those who choose him. He wants to come and consume you with his love and his mercy. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. Do you want to be consumed by God? God wants to speak to all of us today. What's God speaking to you? What do you need to give up and let God consume in your life? You might have heard me say the thorn bush. The thorn bush was not consumed. Let's think about that. What did Jesus wear on the cross? The crown of thorns. The thorn bush that was burning to Moses was not consumed because God made the choice that Jesus was going to the cross. That crown of thorns was put on Jesus for my sins. For your sins, the choice was made. Will you let him consume you? What's holding you back? 
What do you need to give up? What does he need to consume in your life? Let him have it. We can't do it on our own. We've tried. We've probably failed. Let God consume you.